we're in this season of Thanksgiving, and we had, or prayerfully, you had a great time with your family, uh, just being able to be with them and, and uh, celebrate God's goodness, and that's what this is all about. And uh, in the season of Thanksgiving, we, we've got to stop and reflect on God's goodness and count our blessings. We begin to notice the goodness of God, and I, I hope you get this, when you recognize the goodness of God, you can't help but praise God. And when we get up, and, and whether it's a song, and, and don't get me wrong, everybody worships differently. Every, everybody expresses themselves differently. And I'm not saying that you have to be like so-and-so, or so-and-so sings out loud, or so-and-so sings in the choir, so therefore they're more spiritual than you are. I'm not saying that. But I promise you, if, if you see the goodness of God, and you recognize the greatness of God, there is no way that you're going to keep it off your lips. There is no way that you're going to cease from saying it. And we sit there and sing songs like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And we begin to see the goodness of God. You can't help but lift it up. And if you don't, there's a serious deficit inside of us. There's a lacking of the acknowledgement of what God has done and how God works. Because when you see it, you can't help but say it and shout it and proclaim it. If you don't get it, read, read the whole book of Psalms. You're going to see over and over again. The Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father. Every good thing that we have, all the blessings. And you might say, man, I've got a great job and I've got a good car and I've got a nice house and I've got this and I've got that. Let me tell you, you might have that, but every bit of that came from God. Every bit of it came from God. And there's a danger when we step back and we begin to say, wow, look what I've done. I've worked so hard or I've done a good job or I've accomplished this. God sat back and says, you did all that? You're going to take the credit for that? No wonder when we sing about the praises of God or the goodness of God, you just sit back in the corner going, oh, okay, God, you're good too. No, God says, I'm not just good, I'm everything. I am everything. We get um, into this warning in Scripture about God's provision. Because I'll, I'll be honest, have you ever noticed how you'll pray and pray and pray for something, God gives it to you, and, and before long you're complaining about it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, I need a job so bad. Lord, give me that job. Lord, I, if I just had a job. And then you get that job, and six months later you're like telling your wife, man, I hate this job. Man, I got to go into that job. Lord, here I go. It just, it's, you're just miserable over that job. And God's saying, wait a minute. I blessed you with that. He said, well, there's problems with that. There's problems with everything. In the world that we live in, nothing is perfect. And it will not be perfect till we get home. But he does provide for us. Uh, this is the warning. And, and I just, I want to launch this and then show you this passage of how this connects as we get into this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. In verse 10, and God was talking to the children of Israel and he said, when thou hast eaten an artful, that should have been our theme verse for uh, last Thursday. When thou art eaten an artful, then thou shalt be blessed, then thou shalt bless the Lord. And that thought just, it's like, whoa, what? And I'll be honest, I've sang that song. I have read those verses. I have, I have those verses underlined in my Bible. And I have wondered, how do you bless the author of all blessings? Guys, you're about to, some of you are going to get this in just a couple of weeks um, as we get ready for Christmas, because there's that one person in your family that doesn't need anything. You guys know what I'm talking about? 
they, they have everything and you're trying to creatively come up with something and say, man, I wonder if I could get this or this and this. And you're going to realize, wow, they don't really need anything. And then you, you realize that when we're talking about blessing God and giving up to God, the one that is the creator of everything, how do you bless the one that needs nothing? How do you bless the one that created everything? How do you bless the one that is the author of every good thing that you have to give him? So there's something here that we need to learn. That God for good land which he hath given thee. Verse 11, beware. Thou forget not the Lord thy God. He was telling the children of Israel, you guys are going to get there and all of a sudden you're going to embrace and enjoy the blessings, the bounty of God's goodness. Before long, you're not saying, thank you, God. You're just going, wow, this is great. And not that keeping his commandments and his judgment and his statutes, which I commanded thee this day, less than when thou hast eaten and are full and hast built goodly houses and dwell therein. When thy herds and thy flock multiplied and thy silver and gold multiplied and when thou hast multiplied. You want to put it in our language? When your 401k is going good and you've got your car payment paid and there's, a, there's groceries in there and you just went out to Old Charlie's on Friday night. Everything is good. When you've gotten to that point, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God. The warning again. Do not forget the source of your blessings which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth out of the water out of the rock of flint. He starts explaining. He said, do you remember what it was like before you got here? Do you remember what it was like before you had all of this? Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not? That he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, listen to this, my power and my might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. No, it has not. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that hath given thee power to get wealth. Let's pray. Father, it is my heart, Lord, not, not just for us as a congregation, but Lord, for us as individuals that we get this. Lord, there, there's a reason that we can come into the congregation of your people and we can stand to sing about Jesus saves and we can mumble the words. Lord, there's a reason that they, we can get to the place in our life where we walked out of a heated house and we get into a heated car and we drive with gas in the tank and we arrive to a church with heat we embrace the friends that we have, and Lord, we still cannot sit there and give all the credit for you, to you, Lord, and knowing that it all came from you. Lord, we struggle. Because, Lord, we've embraced the blessings for so long that we've forgotten the source of them. Lord, help us today to learn how to bless you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Forget not the Lord. Over and over again, he said, forget not the Lord. Go back to verse 10 when he said, when thou hast eaten our fold, thou shalt bless the Lord. How do you bless the Lord? And that's, I, I want to get in. How do you, and I'm saying this as myself, how can I as a Christian, as a believer, 
bless the Lord? Well, we go to the passage that tells us to bless the Lord. So turn with me to Psalm 103. And this is where it's at. This is, David laid it out. Just as Pastor Joe read earlier, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now listen to this. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's not just saying a little bit. He's saying the inner parts of you. But let me tell you, when the inner parts of you are not right, the inner parts of you cannot praise him. You can walk in here and we can all stand up and we can say, we're going to sing bless the Lord or Jesus saves or whatever the song is that comes on the screen. And we can stand and say it with our lips. But God said, you are not truly thanking me from your hearts. All that is within me. God says, does your attitude reflect my praise? Does, does, does your heart, does your thoughts, does your, does your thankfulness within you reflect the goodness of God? Or is it just your lips that are praising God? But David says here, all that is within me. David was simply saying, Lord, I want to bless you with my heart. Lord, I, I want to bless you with my attitude. Lord, I, I want to bless you with every part of me. And then he says in verse 2, bless the Lord on my soul. I forget not all his benefits. How do you bless the Lord? I'm going to go verse by verse and I'm just going to show you what David said. Because David, after he makes this initial statement at the beginning, he said, Lord, this is what I bless you. This is how I give it back to you. The Bible says the first thing that we are to do here is to bless him or praise him for his forgiveness. Now, I know this is this is like, uh, of course, well, Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. But I don't think we really praise God for our forgiveness because we often forget what we have. See, in verse 3, it doesn't just say our, our sins or our failures. It goes deeper than that. It says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. We can be saved for so long that we've forgotten where we came from when it comes to our salvation. See, the Bible says, and I, I heard this, I was, I was driving down the road. And I heard a preacher come on there, and he was just doing this sermon after this, this, this short little message, and he said this, and it came along, I, I promise you, you know how some, once in a while the, 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 this Holy Spirit just hits you with it? And he said, do you not realize that you were dead in your trespasses and sins? Now, guys, I know we've been saved. A lot of you, you'd say, man, I've been in church, I've been saved a long time. You were dead. And your trespasses and sin. Now let me ask you guys right now. What can you do with something that is dead? You lose all control to change it. You have no ability to reverse it. You have no ability to give life to it. You step back and you say it is over. There is nothing that I can do. There is nothing that I can change. There is nothing that I can apply to make this different. God says that's who you were. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, and it explains that. It was a condition that was beyond hope. We, we sang the song just a minute ago, Jesus saves, Jesus, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. And here we say that I know that I was raised from the dead. I know that I was destined from hell. I know that there was nothing that I could do to save that or change that. So here's us. We walk in the church. We have heard... Joyful sound. Jeez, I, I know I, I, I sit out in the congregation and sometimes I catch myself doing the same thing. 
The joyful sound that Jesus saved, that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And I'm thinking, God, does that bless you? God says, man, you don't know what you have, do you? You have, you've lost the concept of where were you, where you were at. You've lost the mental picture that you were destined for hell and you could not do anything to change it. I, I know it's not just our salvation. David is dealing with a heavy heart. David is dealing with the past of his sin. Because he mentions it over and over again. Just scan down to verse 10. David mentions this again. And you know, when somebody keeps mentioning something, you know it's on their heart. David says this again. He said, he hath not dealt with us after our sins. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. David was writing this and he said, guys, you just need to understand something. I didn't get what I deserved. It's not just a matter of God withheld the punishment that I had coming to me. He's describing the mercy of God. David was thinking back of the fact, and you guys know David's story, and I know we don't like to dwell on it, and we, we, we preach on it, but we don't like to dwell on it. David had a man killed. David had an affair. David stepped into a man's life and manipulated his men, manipulated his kingdom, manipulated his position, and a result, there was tragedy that came as a result of that. And we step back and David is saying, let me tell you, I do not get in my life what I deserve to get. Now, without a raise of hands here today, let me ask this as a congregation. Do you recognize that you are in a position that you did not get what you deserved? We don't deserve to be here today. We don't deserve the grace of God that has been laid upon us. We don't deserve the blessings that surround us. David was saying, I messed up big. I'm not just saying big. I messed up really, really big. And God did something in David's life. And I'm not going to go into all the details of it. But he sent him a prophet. The prophet's name was Nathan. And Nathan came to him and said, David. Hey, David, you're miserable. And I'm paraphrasing here. But David, he went to him and said, dude, you are a miserable man. He said, do you not realize the sin that you have done? And David cried out to God for forgiveness. But let me tell you, the, the fact that God sent him somebody to call him out on his sin was God saying that I've not given up on you. That is the mercy of our God. Verse 11, for as the heaven is so high above the earth, so great. Every one of us should have that underlined in our Bible. So great is his mercy towards them that fear him. And it, it is more powerful than the sin and more powerful than your past. That verse iniquity that it's talking about and that, that he has forgiven us, it's talking about our moral perversion. You, you look it up, how deep it goes. It talks about our moral failure. God didn't just forgive you of the white lies. Nathan came to him and was telling him, you know how you deceive God? You know how you had a man murdered? You know how you slept with another man's wife while that man was off fighting for his country? You know how you lied over and over again? He said, can I tell you that God will forgive those things? Uh, this isn't the kind of service where I'm going to say, how many of you recognize or identify with that? And all the hands go up. Please don't. 
But I can tell you, your sin goes deeper than what you let on around other people. That time that you slipped off when you were younger and you, you had that abortion that nobody knows about. You have that affair that nobody knows about. You, you brought sin into your life. You polluted your mind. You've fallen short. You've done those things. David was just recognizing and laying it out and says, let me tell you the joy that how I bless God, how I bring praise or I acknowledge or I reflect back and I say, God, that I am saved and I am forgiven, not because of what I have done, but all because of you. Because he recognized the fact that the deepest part of his life and the deepest sin that he hid, God stepped in and forgave him of those things. It goes further in verse 12. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. See, the east from the west is a distance that can't be measured. There is an infinite distance between you and your sin. The Bible goes on and explains it. Verse 13, he says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That word there means compassionate love. God gives that illustration of a father that stepped into his child's life and said, yes, you have messed up, but yes, I love you. When, when, um, when we were living in our, our house that we had before this, um, we had this fence that went around the front of our house. And it was this wood, and it made it difficult to cut the grass and stuff like that. So I had some guys that were over my house that was helping us move in. He, and I said, one of my plans is to take out that fence. And uh, the guy came to me and he said, hey, we're done moving this and this end. And he said, would you mind if we took out those poles? I said, man, that'd be great. He said, we'll throw them in the back of the truck. We'll haul it off right now. And that's great. Well, what I wasn't thinking about was all the holes that it left in my yard. And I mean, it was like a, 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 a landmine. It was just like they, they were everywhere and it outlined. And I thought, I'm not going to go in there. I'll, 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 I didn't have the dirt to fill it in. Honestly, I just... Didn't know what to do. Jordan was three years old. And he was in the front yard. And he was running out to the mailbox or something like that. And as he was running in perfectly, he stepped right into that hole and then fell forward. Only by the grace of God, that boy did not break his leg with the way that he was running and the way that it happened. And I ran out there. And I picked him up. And I remember that deep fear in my life, the way that he was screaming and the way that, first of all, he only had one leg and it just looked really weird. And I pulled him out and I sat them there and I ran out there and I'll tell you, I, I, he was inside the house. And I remember I told you, I didn't fill it in because I had no dirt. I, I didn't even know how to do it. I took a shovel and a bucket and I went around. While Jenny was fixing him and helping him on the inside, I took a shovel and a, uh, a bucket and I filled that up and I filled those holes in one by one. And when he went back out there, all he saw was those mounds of dirt over all those holes. He said, what was I doing? I wanted to make sure that, that which hurt him could never hurt him again. I, I wanted to make sure that he went out there, he could identify where those hurts were or what hurt him in the past. But daddy stepped in and I wanted to cover them up to where it could never hurt him again. And you look at this as he talks about as far as the sin, our sin is, is from the east, is from the west. So a father that loves his children will do these things for him. 
And the fact that God knows your sin and he knows the pain of it and God stepped in to cover it and remove it out of your life to say, I never want that to hurt my child again. See, we praise him for his forgiveness. And if we've gotten saved and we, we, we're sitting there and we're bracing and it's just, man, I'm so glad to be saved. And, no, this, and we lose our praise because that's the only thing that God asks is that we bless the Lord, we acknowledge the Lord, we lift up our voice and say, God, all that I have is because of you. You say, that's awesome. But David brought it two steps further and it just gets sweeter and sweeter as it goes. Because he not only praised them, for his forgiveness, he praised him for his healing. And I'll be honest, when I first read through this, it all ran together. But in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, semicolon, who healeth all thy diseases. The disease is, is physical and spiritual here. And I, I want you to draw the, the comparison of where God was showing it to the iniquities. Because if we're not... Looking at this right, let me tell you, good people that love God, that trust God, get sick and die. And I know that's not a message you want to hear. And for us to have the idea that God heals all our diseases, I believe that God has an ultimate healing. And that's when he brings us out of this world and brings us home. But in this passage, I believe that this is more spiritual than it is physical in comparison to what he was talking about. In the same verse that God's talking about the iniquities, God is talking about there, there is a hurt that comes from our sin. You might go through a divorce, but let me tell you, just because God brings forgiveness to that situation does not mean that the hurt is over. Just because you had an affair and God forgave you of that sin doesn't mean that the hurt is over. Those years of drinking... Those years of deceit, that those years of lying and cheating, those years of running from God, you might say that God has forgiven me, but the shattered pieces that remain. David said, God not only forgave me, God stepped in, God picked me up, and God began to bring healing to it. I'm talking about David. You guys know the story of David. You know what went on in his life. It reminds me of that example of, as a father, See, even with my children, you guys know how it is when, when they're younger and, and they're running around. And, 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 of course, it's a different situation now that my kids are older. But I remember going into the store and walking behind my kids. And you're constantly saying, hey, uh, Jordan Logan, quit running. You guys stay with mom and dad. You guys come back here, stay with mom and dad. And it's, it's just that thing that you're constantly reminds me about us with God. Hey, you're getting off track. Guys, stay over here. You're going to get in trouble unless you're walking with God, unless you're walking with your father. Now listen, you know how often that I've saw my kids run ahead, trip and fall on their face? And what do you do as a dad? You walk over there and say, I told you so. No, what do we do as a dad? Even in their failure, even when they fall on their face, even when you could say, I told you 10 times. The dad still runs over there. The dad still sweeps them up. The dad still holds them in his arm and begins to sit there and pull out the gravel and wipe their little hands off and wipe their tears and, 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 and sit there and try to heal the hurts that were brought into their life. David was hurting. Now Psalm 103 was written by David. It was David's praise to God in that. 
But can I show you when David says, I, I forget not all his benefits, forget his healing, don't forget all these things. Can I just bring you right to the pain? And say, I don't want to look at that. Let me show you. Look at Psalm 51. This is, you know, most of the book of Psalm was written by David. And David was praising God and David was reflecting back on his life. But let me tell you how this identifies with us. You can imagine that David was forgiven, but he still had a lot of remembrance of his past. He still had the regret of what he did with Uriah and and Bathsheba. He still had a lot of regret of poor decisions as a leader. David shares his heart in Psalm 51 verse 1 to the chief musician, Psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan, when the Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba and he cries out to God, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now listen, remember when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You see, there's, there's something, there's, there's a, a blockage, there, there's a void, there is a darkness, there's a hurt inside so many Christians that cannot truly bless the Lord or cannot truly cry out to God because your guilt is greater than your worship. Your past, that idea, that hurt haunts your mind. And I've, I've had people that have said, I, I can't even get on to my kids about that. I'm a hypocrite. I did that. I never got it right in my own life. I, I never got over that. Listen how David got over it when he said, and Lord, I bless you with all that is within me. Listen to this. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He said, for I acknowledge my transgressions. And you know, you know what bless the Lord is? It's when we acknowledge, when we give credit when we put our attention to God, I saved you, I've forgiven you, I've provided this for you. Lord, I see it, I want it. It's you. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You know what it's like to live a life where you can't ever escape it? Do you know what it's like as a believer where every time you turn around, you go to bed and it's think, you're thinking about it, you wake up and you're thinking about it, you go to church and you're thinking about it? Make me to hear joy and gladness. Do you know why he's praying that? Because he had no joy and he had no gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now we know physically that God did not break his bones, but emotionally and spiritually this man was broken. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Listen to these words, renew. You know, you could, you could swap that out and say, Lord, heal me. Lord, pick me up. Lord, don't be done with me. Allow me to keep going forward. Don't give up on me, God. I can't live the rest of my life with it. Renew a right spirit within me. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with a free spirit. Verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth praises. Church, I'm going to tell you, yes, God does redeem. God does forgive. God looks back on your past and says, yes, I'll put it underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. But as our Father, He comes in and He picks you up and He says, I'm going to help you get through the tragedy of this. 
Churches are filled with people that are not engaged in what they should be as Christians. They're not engaged in worship like they should be. They're not engaged in ministry like they should be. They're not engaged in in witnessing like they should be because of the fact that they know that they are forgiven, but they don't acknowledge the fact that God is not done with you. It doesn't matter how deep it is. It doesn't matter how wicked it was. It doesn't matter where it was in your past. David was an example of that. Even to the degree of murder, God still forgave him. But God takes it to the next level where God steps into your life and God begins to heal the brokenness that was caused by your past. How do we bless the Lord? We praise him for his forgiveness. We praise him for his healing, his restoration in our lives But then we get to the part where it's just flat out amazing. Because if if we were to look at what justice, our God is a just God. I've heard this illustration, I've given this before, but I don't know a better way to do it. Do you you realize that if if somebody says, I don't understand justice and mercy and grace and and revenge and those things. And and if you've heard this before, bear with me because I wasn't planning on sharing this, but Let's say the most horrendous act of violence happened and somebody came into your life and killed one of your children in your own home. You say, oh, that, I, I, don't even, I don't even want to think about that. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Our sin nailed him to the cross. If you were to rise up and say, you know what, I, 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 want, I want to track him down and I want to take his life. I want him to die. I want him to suffer. That's vengeance. That's you wanting to get revenge for the hurt that was brought into your life. If he was arrested and they brought him back to you and you say, you know what? Spare his life. Throw away the key. Rest him for the rest of his life. I I want nothing good to come of him. That is mercy. Mercy is withholding punishment that is deserved. Withholding the death penalty that should have been placed on your life. David said, I should have died, Lord. You should have took my life. I should have suffered the wrath, the judgment of all righteous, holy God, and I didn't. But then there's a next step. There's there's vengeance. There's justice. The Bible talks about that mercy. But what if you say, I'll tell you what, I want him forgiven. And I know he's going to have a rough time getting back on his feet. I'd, I'd like you to come and live in my house. I've got, I've got a bedroom and I will take care of you. We love you. And you say, that is ludicrous. That is ridiculous. That's impossible. That is God. The very people that were nailing him to the cross is the very people he cried out to his God to forgive. The prodigal son was a direct illustration of this as he ran back into town. He defiled his father. He slapped his father in the face, emotionally speaking with what he asked of him. And the father, seeing him a ways off, ran and fell on him, throwing himself on there for the townspeople not to kill him. And then he took it the next step. And he said, you will no longer, you will not be a slave, you will be my son. And then he took it to the next step. And he said, how is that? He said, get a robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and give him the blessings of what I have in my life. You see, it's not that just God has forgiven you. It's not just that God has healed you. The Bible says that God has crowned us with his goodness. God has crowned us with his blessings. 
It says, verse 4, who redeemed thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. We praise him for forgiveness. We praise him for healing. But we praise him for the blessings that are in our life. The word crowneth means multiple application of this. It means that God has taken all of his goodness. All of the things that represent God's blessings. And the Bible says that he took that sinner that was dead. He took that man that defiled everything that we know to be good and righteous. He took that murderer and he went and he placed on him the goodness of God. You might not see it, but even that word crown means to surround. God has surrounded, has surrounded us with his blessings all around us. And you say, man, thank God I'm not on my way to hell. And God said, that's not all I did for you. God, thank you for restoring my life and allowing me to have the blessings of my life and my family. And that God said, that's not all I've done. God said, I bless you with a church and I bless you with kids and I bless you with health and I bless you with money and I bless you with a car and I bless you with a church and I bless you with a Bible. I bless you with a nation. I bless you with freedom. I bless you with the ability to give and the ability to praise and the ability to have breath in your body. Everything that we have has come from God and it's not ourselves. And God only simply asks for one thing in return. He said, will you acknowledge the things that I've done in your life? Will you see them and say, this is all God? Will you see them and then just say, how great is my God? How worthy is my God? And if we don't, we have forgotten all of his benefits. If we cannot sing, if we cannot praise, if we cannot exalt, Psalm 105, verse 1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Now listen to this. This is you say, How do I bless the Lord? How do I do this? You let all that was in with you, all the healing, all the change, all the redemption, your salvation, your destiny for heaven. Every bit of it, he said, let it well up inside of you and come out. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all of his wondrous works. See, the thing is, Thanksgiving is not about turkeys and not about football and not about just family. It's about all the goodness of God that He has literally laid onto His children that He loves so much. Us giving thanks and blessing the Lord is acknowledging that every good gift and every perfect gift has come from God. I'm glad you have a good job, but you didn't get that yourself. I'm glad you have a car in the parking lot. I'm glad you had a house to walk out of. I'm glad that you have food in your belly, and I'm glad that you have Christmas planned in your list. But without God, none of that is possible. 